At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate megastores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. You are listening to Blessed and Bossed Up, presented by Anchored Media, an entrepreneurship podcast for Christians all about how to make God the CEO of your business. Get ready to be inspired, challenged, but well-equipped to live and build your destiny His way. Hey guys, welcome to another episode of the Blessed and Bossed Up podcast. This is actually the last episode that I'm recording in real time before my maternity leave. So over the next couple of months, though, I have some really exciting interviews that's going to air. I have my She is Uncompromising series that's going to be airing over the next couple of months where I sat down with some people I've been able to glean from from a distance and really just appreciate them being uncompromising about the things that God is calling them to. So I really enjoyed doing the interviews over the last few weeks, and you guys will get to hear that here on the show. Some familiar voices or faces and some new ones. So I'm really excited about that. Of course, we'll still have a bonus episode every week, so you guys will still get that content. I just won't be recording live. And I'm really, really excited about coming back with a fresh perspective in August. Now, here are a few ways that you can continue to support me, this podcast, this platform, and everything that God is doing. Usually, um, I get asked often, like, how can I sow into you? The podcast has blessed me so much. We actually have a feature now where you can donate to the podcast. So if you click the link in the show notes, there's going to be a space where you can donate. You can donate one time, continually. It's totally up to you. But that's an opportunity for you to sow into and support this podcast. If y'all want to support me and this new baby that's coming. I'm registered on Amazon. So you can just search my name. Uh, My registry is there. But outside of that, I ask that you continue to support the resources and the things that God has used me to create to bless you. So we have our God is my CEO prayer journal still for sale. We have the um, business meeting with God devotional. Of course, my book, She is Uncompromising for Sale. So please take advantage of all of those resources so that I can continue to pour into you the way that, that God sees fit over the next couple of months. Now, for today's episode, I wanted to do another mailbag episode because I got a lot of questions the last time. And it was a few I wanted to get to, but I couldn't for the sake of time. So I figured this was a great way to end off before coming back in August. Now, the first question is pretty appropriate, I think, for the time, right? So it says, hi, Tatum. I hope all is well. How do you keep your son, and I'm going to say soon to be sons, plural, covered in prayer with all the things going on in today's society? You want them to have freedom, but you want them to be covered too. Now, listen. 
This is a question that is on my mind a lot. <laughs> and this is a question that was especially on my mind before I had my first son. Now, I am a black woman married to a black man raising black sons. When I had my first son in 2020, it was, I believe he was born a couple months before the George Floyd murder. And it was just such a emotional time for me because here's this beautiful, innocent child that I just brought into the world. Here's my amazing husband that I'm doing life with. And I'm looking at the screen facing uh, or being presented the reality that despite how much I love them, they're going out into a world where a lot of people simply don't, where they're going to face hate and discrimination simply because of the color of their skin. And so as a parent in particular, because you're asking about parenthood, something that I always take to prayer is in one of my prayers and not even just as it relates to sending my children out into the world, but just raising them in general, my prayer is always God parent me as I parent them. Because just like I like to re recite Jeremiah 1, 5, that says, before you formed me in my mother's womb, you knew me. Before you formed them in my womb, you knew them. These are your kids. I dedicate these children to you. So parent me, God, as I parent them. Tell me what to do and how to raise them and what I need to pay attention to and show me beyond what's being presented in front of me. And so that's one thing that I do is just continually ask God for wisdom. That's big for me. Now your question in particular, you say, how do I keep my son covered in prayer? I am a, a praying woman and what's going on in the world is not going to make me shut my mouth ever. It's just going to make me pray even more. And also it's very important to not be only reactive when it comes to prayer, but to be proactive. You shouldn't only be praying for your sons or your children in general when there are things going on in the world. You should be covering them in prayer every single day. You should be seeking God for wisdom on how to parent your children every single day. So for me, again, my relationship with God is above all. And that and the wisdom that I get from him is in business, it's in my personal life, it's in, you know, my marriage, it's in parenthood, every element that makes up my day to day is submitted and surrendered to God, including my children. And I have a peace of mind in knowing that. Um, but I'm human. So like I said, seeing the things on the television specifically during the George Floyd murder, because that was uh, just so happened to be right when I just had my son, it was emotional for me, but I had to reel myself back in and get in front of the Lord. Also, my son is th about to be three um, and I'm about to have a newborn so that he's not necessarily asking to go over a friend's house. You know what I mean? So there's certain things I haven't experienced yet as far as letting him have freedoms. But I anticipate that I will face those decisions the same way, seeking God for wisdom and parenting from a place of victory and trust in the Lord and not from a place of fear. I believe that's something that we have to check in every scenario, not even just parenthood, but 
just making sure that we're not living our life from a place of fear, but a place of victory and a place of dependence on the Holy Spirit, because the Holy Spirit will guide us in a way that we're supposed to go, reveal what needs to be revealed and protect us from what we need to be protected from. And that includes our children. I love this next question. So it says, how do you as a boss, a woman, a mother, and so many other roles balance your own mental and spiritual health while helping to balance others? I love this question because usually people ask about maintaining the roles, but not but not necessarily essentially making sure that you're well mentally and spiritually as you're serving other people. So I do this different ways depending on the role. So let's start with business especially when it comes to to the faith-based side of things. Something that I keep top of mind and that I reconciled early, early on is I am not the solution to people's spiritual problems. I simply am not. I understand that God has given me this platform and people ask questions, spiritual based questions, or people want uh, opinions or feedback or whatever people pull and ask different things and that I pour out in different ways, but I am not the solution. God is. My job is to help you get back to him. That's it. And that simple reconciliation with the role that I play makes it a lot easier because there's no pressure for me to make your life look different. That's not my job. (laughs) It's no pressure for me to, you know, have to try to pour, pour, do, do, serve, serve you in whatever type of way spiritually. It's just simply not. My job is to point you back to God. That's it. And he's going to supply all your needs. He's going to solve your problems. He's your healer. He's your savior. So for me, as someone who serves in the faith space, that is a huge energy saver for me. I'm not drained because I'm not trying to solve your problems. I'm playing the very small part that God may use me to play to send you back to him. That's it. So that's big for me and making sure that I'm maintaining my spiritual and mental health. Now, moving on to my role in my company, Anchored Media. I run my business with the mindset that this is God's company. I am going to serve as the executive in this company well. I'm going to make mistakes because I'm human. I'm learning, but I'm going to serve God well in this business. I'm going to serve God's people well because I don't need to have to preach to anybody for them to know the God that I serve. I want the attention to detail. I want the level of just going above and beyond to make people feel heard that those things, just showing love to people in business. I want those things to be representative of Christ. Another mindset that I have is that when it comes to business and everything else, my provision comes from the Lord. There's a lot of anxiety that can easily happen in business, especially when it comes to finances of the economy or, oh man, this client didn't want to renew or I need to sign X amount of people. I need to do this. I need to do that to generate revenue. There's always going to be that because businesses have to make money, right? But my mindset is my provision comes from the Lord. And that is a very freeing mindset because business can get stressful, especially when you're you're dealing with people. I've turned down clients. I've canceled contracts. I have done a lot that 
was not technically in the best financial interest of the company because of course you want to make money, but it wasn't worth the cost. It wasn't worth the headache. It wasn't worth the anxiety or the stress. It just simply was not worth it. And God doesn't want me to be stressed out when it comes to his business. And also it's not my job to make me successful. (laughs) That's God's job. It's my job to just do what it is he tells me to do. And the result is not my business. So being grounded in my faith, grounded in what the word says, grounded in how I am to operate with God as the CEO of my business, it helps me a ton, a ton when it comes to maintaining my own mental and spiritual health. And then when it comes to my personal life, I really like to surround myself with people who love me, who don't love what I can do for them, but who love me. I have friends I've been friends with since the sandbox, like people who could care less about the brand or anything like that. They care about me. I recently had over the weekend a nesting party where I decided not to do a baby shower, um, but instead I wanted to do a nesting party where I wanted to have friends and family come over and help get the house ready for the baby because is I've been busy. I'm very uncomfortable. It's a lot of work, uncomfortable physically because I'm so pregnant. It's a lot of work to get things ready for the baby. I had to redo like my son's playroom to make room for baby stuff. I had to get the nursery together, make my son's room into like a big boy room and you know do laundry and bottles, sterilizing bottles and all the stuff that you do before you have a baby. And so I'm like, man, I'm going to have a nesting party. Shout out to TikTok for the idea. Because I just need help getting this done. Otherwise, I'm going to be kind of stressed leading up to the baby coming, trying to do all of these things. And I did it. I had it on Saturday. My mom, my grandma, my aunt, my husband, his friends came over. Um, Shout out to Sharla, who you guys have seen on the podcast. She came. Kavaya drove up from Jersey. And my sister, Like just people who care, genuinely care. One of my good girlfriends, she couldn't make it because she was sick, but she was going to be here as well. Everybody just came together to help me get the house together, help my husband and I get things together. And now it's a couple of things that I have to do because people have been blessing us with gifts and there's a lot of stuff still coming, but it's nowhere near what I would have had to do if I was to do this myself. So having a, a great support system all around is so important. And that's something that I truly cherish my relationships, my friendships, and all of that. And then lastly, overall, of course, therapy is great to maintain your mental and spiritual health. Even doubling down on the spiritual side for a second. I don't study or spend time with God for others while I'm spending time with God for myself. And I think this is a good tip for anybody who serves people spiritually in any type of way. So if I'm preparing for a podcast, in my prayer time, I might say, hey, God, what's the podcast about this week? Or I may get downloads throughout the week. I just write them down. I'll go prepare the episode later, but I'll write the message down or the overall uh, message I'm trying to deliver down. And then I'll go study and put it all together later. But I do not do that during my time with God, because when it's my time with God, like I'm seeking him on behalf of my stuff, me. I ain't worried about nobody else at that time. I'm worried about getting wisdom and getting filled up and uh, airing my grievances and just seeking God as my father, as my savior, as my provider, as my everything. And then when it comes to if I have to prepare a message for the show or to speak or anything like that, that's a totally separate time. 
And so that's big too, to make sure that I'm staying spiritually well, because if not, it's so easy to where all of your time with God has to do with other people. So you have these amazing messages and these deep Bible studies and these epic revelations that you can share and use to, to help and serve others, but you're left with nothing for yourself. So that's another big boundary of mine that I draw is that my time with God is going to be separate than me seeking him for somebody else. So those are just a few controls that I put in place and mindset shifts that I make to just make sure that no matter what I'm being called to, that I'm still solid. Now, this next question is a podcast question. So a couple of things that she asked. The first one is, what equipment do I need to get started? First, you have to decide, are you doing a video or audio podcast? Because that's going to determine the equipment. Now, even if your podcast is primarily audio, it is in your best interest to have some type of video element. So even for us and our clients, I recommend to all of our clients that they have video podcasts. Because now YouTube is indexing podcasts. YouTube is one of the most watched platforms. So it will behoove you to have a video element that is present on YouTube with your podcast. But even if your show isn't uh, video based, still have some video elements. So that could be vlogs or um, regular videos that you post on your YouTube channel, whatever the content may be, have some type of video element with your podcast. So once you decide which way you want to go, that's going to determine the equipment. Either way though, with podcasts, the biggest thing is sound because you want your show to sound good. Nobody wants to listen to a podcast with horrible audio. That's the easiest way, no matter how good your content is, that's the easiest way to lose your audience. So even if you are a video podcast, make sure you still prioritize audio because some people are going to be listening on Spotify or on Apple Podcasts and not necessarily watching the video at that time. So of course, in order to have good audio, you need to have a good microphone. Good does not equal expensive. Let's be clear with that. This episode is brought to you by NPR. I recently had a 90s and 2000s party for my birthday last week. And what was so funny is I had a bunch of different things from that whole era growing up. And one of the bigger parts of that era was talk shows. We had the Oprah Winfrey show. We had the Montel show, eventually the Tyra show. And just seeing Black representation in the media was so important for me back then because it made me realize that I can do anything. You know, I'm seeing people who look like me and it empowered me that much more to use my voice and pursue a career that I'm now in, in media. The next generation of influential Black voices can be found on NPR's newest collection, Black Stories, Black Truths. Black Stories, Black Truths is a celebration of Blackness from NPR. Each of NPR's Black voices are as distinct, varied, and nuanced as the Black experience itself. In the Black Stories, Black Truths collection, you'll hear stories of joy, resilience, empowerment, and creating world-shifting things out of struggle. Every episode is a living account about what it means to be Black today, told from a unique Black perspective. From Bobby Shmurda to The Wire, Michelle Obama to reparations, there is no limit to the range of Black stories and Black truths. 
Black perspectives haven't always centered in the telling of America's story. Now we are the story. In NPR's Black Stories, Black Truths, you'll find a collection of some of NPR's best podcast episodes celebrating the Black experience. Hear a feed of episodes across NPR's podcast that center Black voices. It's NPR Noir. Turn on NPR today and hear a range of voices as varied, nuanced, and Black as the country we reflect. Stories should never be about us without us. Listen now to Black Stories, Black Truths from NPR, wherever you get your podcasts. This episode is brought to you by Rosetta Stone. I'm personally in the process of planning a big trip for my husband's birthday, and he said that he wanted to go to East Africa. And what I believe would be the cherry on top is if we actually practice and learn the language ahead of getting there. Introducing Rosetta Stone. They are the most trusted language learning platform available on desktop or as an app. And they truly immerse you in the language that you want to learn. So I want to be fully immersed in Swahili before we board that plane to Kenya. Rosetta Stone has been the trusted expert for 30 years with millions of users and 25 languages offered. And you learn the languages fast. They immerse you in many ways. So no English translation. So you really learn to speak, listen, and think in that language. It's an intuitive process. So you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. And it's designed for long-term retention. They have a built-in true accent feature that gives you feedback on your pronunciation. So it's like having a personal trainer for your accent. Their desktop and app options with audio companion and ability to download lessons offline make them extremely convenient. And of course, they have an amazing value. So your lifetime membership has all 25 languages for any and all trips and languages needed in life. That's lifetime access to all 25 language courses Rosetta Stone offers for 50% off. A total steal. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, Blessed and Bossed Up listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com slash today. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com slash today. My first mic was 40 bucks. The mics that I use now, it depends on where I'm at, which mic I have. They're no more than $100. The mic that I paid the most for, I don't even use because it picked up too much sound and it... If I wasn't in the perfect location, it gave me essentially no grace because it picked up everything. But a lot of the mics that are on the more inexpensive side mostly just pick up the audio that's right in front of them, which is usually your voice. And that's helpful, again, if you're not in the ideal location. So a microphone is important. Which mic you choose, it depends. If you're doing video, choose one or prioritize one that fits the look and feel of what you're going for with the video. Um, But always, always, always make sure that you can hear what the mic sounds like before you buy it. Most of the time, if you buy it on Amazon, you can, there are reviews and people who are using the mic and will upload a video reviewing the mic. Make sure you can hear the audio prior to buying because that's what matters. How does this mic work? If you are doing video, of course, you'll need a camera. So whatever camera you use, 100% depends upon you. 
your preferences, what you're using it for. If it's just for the podcast, if you want something that's smaller because you want to do vlogs or other YouTube type of content, you could use a production company. Like with us, our clients, we do all the recording. So our clients don't have to have this equipment. Um, but the camera is up to you. Just make sure it's at least 1080 DP as far as quality or resolution goes, because nobody wants to look at a grainy video. Okay. So make sure that it's high resolution and it captures really, really good video. Now you asked about lighting. If you need lighting depends on your setting. So if you're recording at like a content studio, they may already have lighting for you. So you don't need to have any of your own. But lighting is important, whether you have it or you're using someone else's, make sure that the room that you're using is very well lit. So you do need lighting if you're doing video, not really if you're just doing audio. Outside of physical equipment, to do a podcast, you need something to record into. So if you have a Mac or any type of Mac device or Apple device, you can record into GarageBand. It's free. It comes with the devices. I've been using GarageBand since the beginning of use of podcasting because it's free. You can also use platform like Adobe Audition. You can use platforms like Audacity. Uh, there's other platforms like Descript, which is an online software that you can record into, edit, they transcribe. They even do some type of uh, audio cleanup. There are a lot of just AI softwares that are popping up right now, but I suggest doing a Google search because there are always new things coming up with new cool features on podcast editing software and choose which fits you best. You need to know how to use it. And so that's the most important and how tech savvy you are. I don't know. So um, Google podcast editing software, play around with all of them and then choose which works best for you. That's something that you're going to need. I'll stop there as far as equipment. She also asked, can you list the things that's needed for a successful start? She says, I don't know where and how to start. I'm constantly thinking of episode 40 versus recording one. Any wisdom and encouragement? So yes, I'm going to be very general. You can go to the Anchored Media YouTube channel where I have many videos on many of these questions in a lot more detail. But to just condense it, in order for your show to be successful, you need listeners. In order to have listeners and people who tune in every single week, you have to solve a need or a problem that they have. Most people, the mistake that they make with podcasting is they have this idea and usually starts in the group chat. I had this joke, like there are so many shows that should have just stayed group chats. You have this idea of, oh, this sounds great to me, or we have a good time having this conversation. Let's start a podcast. And it never translates to other people because you never took your ideal listener into consideration. You created what you wanted and not what somebody needs. And that is not going to, that's not a formula or a recipe for a successful podcast. It's just simply not. It's it's a recipe for something fun that you may enjoy, but not a show that goes beyond your friend and family circles. And that's what makes a successful podcast is one that someone who doesn't know you from a can of paint, someone who's in a whole nother country and barely speaks your language can still connect with. So the most important thing for you to do right now is not in figuring out the equipment because that's the logistics of it is honestly super simple. What you have to do is figure out what need am I solving for my ideal listener? 
what's missing right now as it relates to the subject matter of my content? What can't they find? What are they asking for? And that is where you start with creating a successful show. Yes, you have your idea and the the thing that sparked the desire to do a podcast, but you have to take it a step further to solve a need from your audience or it simply won't work. Okay, one more question. So essentially the question is, how do I position myself to go from my full-time job in the corporate world to working full-time in my business since it's the corporate job that funds the dream? Great question. And this is also timely because in May, next week actually will mark six years of being a full-time entrepreneur for me, which is really, really exciting. Now, my story is more so God told me it was time to leave, so I had to roll. It it was a point where I was preparing to be a full-time entrepreneur, but then also God was like, yeah, you're planning to leave at this time, but I need you to leave right now. And that led to my journey of that y'all hear of getting saved, saved, and all that he's done in my business since then. But some important things to keep in mind to be a bit more practical, some important things to keep in mind when making that transition from full-time entrepreneur, excuse me, working full-time to full-time entrepreneurship. The first thing I would suggest that you identify is your survival number. How much does it cost for you to live? When I did this, I realized that it cost way too much for me to live. (laughs) And that was the first thing that I had to deal with. If I was going to be a full-time entrepreneur as quickly as I wanted to do it, it needed to cost a lot less for me to be able to live. So I actually moved out of my apartment and moved in with my now husband, which I don't suggest moving in with a partner before you get married. Okay. But that's just my truth. Moved in with my boyfriend at the time. So boom, now I don't have rent and bills or anything like that anymore because he takes care of that. I cut back on all of my extras, stopped getting my nails done, learned how to do my own hair. I have enough hair to wear a ponytail. So I was with a slick back most of the time. At one point I watched YouTube videos and learned how to do a, a decent braid and it still wasn't that nice. So I will always have the braids in a bun so you couldn't see the inconsistencies and how messy it was in some parts. But hey, it was neat and it was done. So I cut back a lot of that. I cut back on my grocery budget. I was eating PB&J spaghetti. I was eating anything. I started taking a train to work versus driving because with driving, I'm of course, I'm putting wear and tear on my car. I'm paying for gas. I'm paying for parking once I get to the city. And I live in a DC area, so everything is expensive. So instead, I started taking a train. I would drive just to the train station, or sometimes I would take like the shuttle bus from my apartment to the train station. I would bring my lunch to work versus eating out. If I really wanted to eat out and I had a coworker or somebody ask me for a favor at work, I'm like, mm. I'll do it, but you got to buy me Chipotle or something like that. And yes, this is what I did. And so every now and then I would get a little something extra for lunch because I might do a favor for a coworker or something like that. But these were some adjustments that I made to cut back significantly on how much it cost for me to survive. So not only did it allow me to invest more into my business, but it also allowed me to save more money. 
so that because of understanding business that it's fickle, it goes up and down. Some it's not going to be the same thing every single month. It's always good to have a safety net, and it allowed me to build my safety net up. I also started working a side job to make some extra money. My parents own a commercial cleaning business, so I would go and scrub buildings at one of their properties. It was a hospital. It was disgusting, but I did it to help pay for my business coach at the time um, and to have extra money. I also invested in a business coach, somebody who could help me make this transition from full-time job to full-time entrepreneurship. So those are some things I did prior to leaving. In addition to all of that though, I also had to do some work on my business because if this is going to be the thing that sustains me that I'm able to live and work in full-time. I don't want to be just surviving forever. Like that's just enough to get me out the door, but I want to thrive and I need to create a business model that allows me to do that. And when I did that, I realized that how my business model would have had to be for the business I had at that time, it was not going to work for me. And I needed to figure something else out. But for the sake of time, some things that I've learned over the last six years that are very important to making that transition and then living comfortably as a full-time entrepreneur. The first thing I would say is leave your job with as big of a safety net as possible. If you get PTO and your job is set up where you get a payout for any unused PTO when you leave, don't take as many vacations. (laughs) Don't use your PTO so that when you leave, you have a bigger payout of that that can be used as your safety net. Also, if you're making big investments in your business, like a business coach or things that are going to help you your business grow and make things easier for you when you quit, do that before you leave your job and use your job as your investor. Don't just be quick to roll out without being strategic about it. Use your job as your investor as long as humanly possible. If you know that your job gives bonuses at the end of the year and it's August, thug it out until the end of the year so you can also get that bonus and have some extra money when you leave your job. The second thing is build a community and an audience before you leave your job or before you have something to sell to them because it's going to make presenting your offers a lot easier when you already have a community that have bought into your message, whose problem that you solve, that you've given them value, they know you, they like you, they trust you. Having that already will make it 10 times easier when you're ready to start presenting products and services to them. Also, diversify your revenue streams, have passive income, have active income, prioritize long-term contracts when it comes to your business. Something I saw in the pandemic with my business was that for a short period of time, podcast sponsorships put like a, it took like a pause because companies were trying to figure out, okay, what's going on? Companies were dealing with a lot of supply chain issues and their own internal things that were caused because of the pandemic. So a lot of them put their marketing spends on hold because they needed the cash and had to regroup for a second because this this nasty disease was just ravishing the entire world. And so of course, as a content creator and somebody who makes money via podcast advertising, that impacted my business, but not in a major or a detrimental way because I had other revenue streams to make up for it. Something that works well for me when building out services 
is I like to do long-term contracts because it gives me time to really just work with a person, see the process through in, in whatever way we're working together. Also, it's predictable income. I know what my monthly recurring revenue is because I know what my contracts say. And so that provides a level of stability. And that's the thing when it comes to your business, create a business model that provides as much stability as possible. And so doing things like diversifying your revenue streams and um, having you know longer contracts and different ways that you make money at different price points and all of that, and not even just diversifying your revenue streams as far as uh, active or passive income, but also diversifying working business to business as well as business to consumer. Because again, in COVID, business to business was taking a hit because companies were having all of these issues, but business to consumer was booming because individuals were now making their same salaries without having to go into the office, without having to do other things that were uh, incurred costs or expenses that they had. So people have more discretionary income. And this was beneficial for me, somebody who sells products and services business to consumer, because now they were able to invest in things. People were realizing, because a lot of people were losing their jobs, folks were realizing like, man, I need to invest in myself. Now I want to make sure I start my podcast. I want to make sure I do this. I want to make sure I do that because I can't just rely on a job. And so that worked out in my favor. And so again, just having those different ways that you make money is so important because it's going to allow for stability when business can, the reality of it is can be fickle. So I'm going to go ahead and stop there for the sake of time. Again, thank you guys so much for uh, listening to the show. Please leave us a review. Um, I'm off social media right now. I'm going to try to do some YouTube content, but I'm not making no promises because my priority, of course, is my family. But I love y'all. If y'all don't hear from me, I'm good. I promise. God got me. I'm always good. But I love y'all. Thank you for listening. Again, if you want to sew into the show, you can donate. Um, if you want me to help you with your podcast, you can always go to anchoredmedia.com. My schedule is open for August for those who want us to manage their shows. If you want to book space to work or record content, Anchored Media Studios is available. Um, you can always send me an email if you have any questions about anything else. My team is monitoring my email and ready to help you. Um, it's Tatum at anchoredmedia.com or Tatum at tatumtomia.com. It's an alias uh, email, so they go to the same account. Um, so yeah, I think that's it. I love y'all. I love y'all. I love y'all. I love you guys. I'm going to go drop this baby and I'll be back in August. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.